It is Monday, guys. And listen, we are coming off an amazing weekend full of great college football games. And there's even a huge game tonight. Since this game comes out on Monday, we'll give a brief prediction later on that one. But we have three segments today, kind of. The first one, we're going to kick it off by recapping the biggest games of the weekend that we covered for Pick 6. Then we're going to move on to our second segment. We are previewing and making our official Blue Bloods predictions for the ACC, which kicks off this weekend. We wrap it up with a small, not really a segment, Brandon, I don't feel like we can call it, but just a small prediction and brief, um, I guess, preview of the BYU-Navy game tonight. And we're going to give our predictions for that. But listen, we have a full show today, guys, so let's go ahead and kick this off. So this weekend was our first complete weekend of Division One college football, and man, did it did it it did not fail to deliver some outstanding games. In case you weren't here a year ago when me and Brandon started this podcast, we have pick six, and we pick six of the best games, most important games of each weekend, and we make our predictions and break them down. Well, we always recap those six games, and we give you guys all the information you may have missed, you need. Just to recap, an exciting weekend of college football. So, Brandon, we're going to start here on Thursday night. We're going to start with the first game of the night, UAB against Central Arkansas. UAB pulled out the 45-35 win. Your takeaway from this game? Uh, My takeaway from this game is that my gambling picks can't lose. Or, well, this one can't lose. I I gave you three on the last episode, and this is the only one that hit. Um, For some reason, my my dumb brain just said Central Arkansas is going to cover a 13.5-point spread against UAB, and they did. They uh, they lost by 10 points. And there were certain points in this game, and, I mean, games we're going to cover later on, where, I mean, the team that really wasn't supposed to win just showed out and showed us that, like, we we are just idiots is what we are. Uh, We don't know anything. (laughs) If you're you're basing your opinions on on the things we say on this show, uh, uh, let me... Let me go ahead and tell you that you should probably uh, look somewhere else, like a different kind of show. We're not good at analyzing football, but we're here and we're fun. Um, anyway, <laughs> I, I don't know. All this game really showed me is that these defenses were, were terrible. I mean, they were awful, both of them. Yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, hey, Brandon, but about your gambling pick, a broken clock's always right twice a day, so you got this. Yeah, you at right, least sir, get, I, be right sometimes. I Trust me, so occasionally. So yeah. Hey, if, if if pick six records aren't as good as last year, just give us a break. We'll, we'll year three of the Blue Bloods will be better. But it's hard to got, have such a good record every year, you know. Yeah, we last won what was, over eighty games last year. It was like eighty and like twenty or thirty something. I mean, dude, we did. It was fire last year. I was like, I was like eighty percent. It was nuts. It's it's insane. And we picked the big game. So you know what? Enough bragging on us. Let's brag on UAB and maybe a kind of in Central Arkansas. But, you know, Brandon, this game for me, and we'll get to a few games later, you know, we talked, I, I believe it was a few episodes ago, about how is the season going to look? Is it going to be a lot of upsets or is it just going to be a bunch of sloppy play where teams got to get in the rhythm because they didn't practice? And I think the sloppy, rusty kind of upset version is going to be the thing 
that we see. I mean, lack of practice, opt-outs, change of schedules look like it really affected a lot of these favorites. And, you know, you said defense wasn't great, but I don't think UAB, UAB's front seven played that bad. They made Breland Smith, who in my opinion, is weaker than that run game with Kier Crossley and all of them at Central Arkansas. They had two sacks. They held Crossley under 60 yards rushing. They did a great job of putting it on Breland Smith. And, you know, this game was a lot closer than it should have been. UAB had two horrible, horrible time turnovers late in the second half. I mean, it turned this game into a competitive game toward the end because UAB was running away with this, and Central Arkansas takes a fumble back for a touchdown and then scores on a 15-yard pass on the first play on another turnover. It was a 14-point swing in the final two minutes of the first half that made the score go from 28-7 to to 28-21. Dude, and you know, you, I mean, UAB's, I don't know who their defensive coordinator is because it's UAB, but you, I mean, you know, he was on this team because they didn't allow us. I mean, they didn't allow anything in the third quarter. No, I mean, and they j- jumped out to two quick scores too. It was getting away from them. And then I believe they had a late turnover in the fourth that really put such Arkansas in a good position. I, this game was more about UAB shooting themselves in the foot than I think it was Central Arkansas playing well. It, it that, was. And, I hate saying that, but UAB was the better team. And if those two turnovers don't happen late in the late in the second and the first half, I think UAB this game is an absolute blowout. And UAB was looks like they're going to be a really really good team if they can clean up their play a little bit. And that's a big if. So guys, UAB moves on to face Miami this Thursday night. That's a that's a pretty big game, I would say. I mean. Miami's got a lot of new pieces, so we'll see how they fare there. But Central Arkansas has a week off, and then they go face an in-state opponent in Arkansas State on September 19th. But let's move on to the game. Everybody who knows me and Brandon is waiting to talk about. um, And listen, South Alabama at Southern Miss. South Alabama wins their first road game since 2017. They... Honestly, Brandon, I hate to say this, but they dominated Southern Miss 32 Look, to 21. Here's what I'll say. <laughs> I'll, I'll say, first of all, I'm sorry. And second of all, if, if that, if that touchdown where Frank Gore Jr. Uh, pitched it back to Jack Abraham wasn't called back, the momentum change would have been, uh, it would not have, like they would have been going to the half off that score. I mean, that's crazy. The team would have been hyped up. I'm not saying they would have won, but it, it wouldn't have been uh, an 11 point game. I'll give you that, but for that defense, man, who is so Southern Miss's defensive <laughs> coordinator, man? That that was an abysmal performance. I don't think you could have written a worse script for that defensive coordinator and given it to him before the game. No, it was awful. I mean, I even sent you, I even sent you a highlight where it was. I don't even know. It was, I guess it was a low light where Southern Miss yeah. didn't have a didn't have anyone covering. I mean, there was one wideout on the left side of the field. And they had no one over there. They just loaded the box with like 10 men. It was nuts. It's the same thing that uh, Kentucky did to lose that Florida game back in, I think it was like 2018 or so. But we mentioned Desmond Trotter on the Audible last week. Um, You can go check that on YouTube or just wherever you find the podcast. But I said he had to carry this team. And I said, I don't know if he had enough weapons. Well, boy, was I wrong. This kid was absolutely electric. 
in this game. He had almost 300 yards passing, two touchdowns, 41 yards rushing. He did have some mistakes, which I said he was going to make, and two interceptions. He just consistently delivered big plays when, when needed most. And Jalen Tolbert, the wide receiver for Southern, uh, for, uh, South Alabama, He's going to be a problem down in Mobile, Alabama this year if this is signs for things to come. Six receptions, 170 yards, and two touchdowns. Brandon, he was averaging 28 yards per reception. Yeah, yeah I mean, it was nuts. Look, it, I, uh, what I will oh, say, though, is that Desmond Trotter, he's got, man, he, he is talented, and, and I'm not going to tear this kid down by any means, but he has to watch the turnovers. Those interceptions, I mean, yeah. they, I mean that's the only reason Southern Miss was even kind of in this game. That's why I said dominate, man. I mean, the interceptions were more on Trotter, I feel like, than Southern Miss playing a good scheme. I don't think they weren't playing a good scheme at all. Like if you throw if you throw an interception to Southern Miss, then you gotta sit down and have a talk. Yeah. That's and bad. Brandon Brandon, I mentioned this offensive line for Southern Miss and how it was gonna be a problem, and I don't feel like I was wrong in the slightest. Uh they went up against the South Alabama defensive line, which was ranked way outside any, I guess, highly ranked metric, only averaging 2.6 yards per rush attempt, and their leading rusher only had 32 yards. Yeah, uh, and, yeah, and, and Jack Abraham had 28. I mean, that's the quarterback. Mm-hmm. What, what are you going to do? I don't know. And he's not even a scramble. He, like, he's not like a outside-the-pocket type of guy. That's no, just him trying to like run for his life. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah. It, so, yeah, it, it was it was pretty bad. That's bad, but guys. And, and, Southern- and no, no, no. What I will say, what I will also say about that is that while he did have 28 yards, he had that one 35-yard run. The rest of the – I mean, he didn't even have 35 total yards because guess why? Because he kept getting sacked because this offensive line is just non-existent. Oh, man. Southern Miss looks to be in trouble. They're going to move on. Face Louisiana Tech in two weeks on the 19th, while South Alabama moves on to face Tulane this upcoming weekend, which a game I'm actually kind of interested to see there. Can South Alabama keep the momentum going against Tulane this upcoming weekend? But we're going to move on here. Third game that we covered. This one, we aren't going to spend almost any time on this game. Nobody should have spent any more time than watched past the second quarter. Eastern Kentucky at Marshall, Brandon, a 59 to nothing shellacking of the poor Eastern Kentucky Division II. <laughs> I mean, this this game didn't even have a spread. And it I did. understand why. Game time, it did. Oh, did it? What was the spread? 23. <laughs> I'm going to say it could have been over 59, right? Like, I mean, listen, Grant Wells, that quarterback, listen, I know it's Eastern Kentucky, but he looks spectacular. The kid just yeah. was making throw after throw, 307 yards and four touchdowns, and I highlighted their offensive line on the audible. Almost 300 yards rushing behind them, over five yards per carry, and the Eastern Kentucky front seven had no answer for that offensive line, and I was actually really, really impressed with Marshall. We both expected them to win, but I don't think we expected 59 to nothing. No, no, I mean, I, I definitely did. I don't know. Actually, I, I did say that I would take a million point spread if they offered it. So I guess I, <laughs> I, I'll claim that one. I'll claim that. All right, fair enough. But listen, guys, Marshall moves on. They got Appalachian State on the 19th, a much tougher test than poor Eastern Kentucky. Uh, while Eastern Kentucky goes back to West Virginia to face the West Virginia next Saturday. So it looks like they're not going to have a lot of fun in West Virginia. Um Eastern Kentucky, please stop scheduling these West Virginia teams because you're get, you're going to get slack next week as well. But we're going to move. 
<laughs> we're going to move on to another um, massacre on the field. Uh, Middle Tennessee at Army, 42 to yeah. nothing, Brandon. And listen, we both said we didn't think it was going to be a high-scoring game because Army was going to run the clock. But 42 to nothing, I'm going to I'm gonna say here, I did not see this coming. I didn't either. Um, what I will say is that the highlight of this game for me was that 12-minute drive by Army. It was, yes, it was like a 9-yard like like drive. <laughs> Dude, that was nuts. 19 plays, guys. No 99 passes, yards. None. No pass. Oh. And that was to t- that was that was to go up 42 nothing. They didn't even have to do that. But they say, you know what? We're going to take up the entire quarter, go almost 20 plays for almost 100 yards. They couldn't have had a better drive than no, that. That was great. No, it was fantastic. It, but nothing says an Army game more so than that. I mean, Army was the better team from the jump. I mean, I don't, Brandon, I don't think anybody, I don't think there was a player this weekend that disappointed me more than Asher O'Hara. We covered him a little bit on the Audible. He came in as a pretty hype quarterback for, you know, a Middle Tennessee State team. He got benched. He went for 46 yards and two interceptions with an average three <laughs> yards of completion. His QBR was 19.4. <laughs> I don't even know in. how, I don't, I don't even know how he got that. If there ever should have been a one QBR, I I feel like this was it. He deserved a negative QBR. He failed in this department. That's it's terrible. I mean, this Army defense who came into the year very, it was ranked very very low. Like we covered, they just kept making plays. I mean, they only allowed 184 yards. They forced four turnovers, had a touchdown, and held Middle Tennessee to three for nine on third down conversions. Yeah. That outstanding, is. outstanding. And listen, if Army can play defense like this along with that offense, which me and Brandon, I think everyone who listens expect this, expected this performance from the Army offense, Army's going to be a tough out this year, and we've seen them almost beat teams. Like, they, what, they took Oklahoma to overtime, what, two three years ago? When Oklahoma right. went to the playoffs, uh, this Army team's no joke. And if they they can smack teams forty two to nothing, oh, in well, Michigan last year, I forgot about that. Like they almost beat Michigan last year. Yeah, I mean they're they're uh, I mean they're not like a great team, but they're a good team, dude. Yeah. If you had to guess right now, if you're not looking, how many how many players on Army's team ran the ball in this game? How many players are credited with any rush attempts? I'm actually not looking, but um, I would have to say I'll, I'll go with eight. Ten. Ten, and their leading right. rusher at 37 yards. I mean, to put that in perspective, crazy. They, they had 28 yards passing total. That's on two passes. And then they had 10 people rush, and the leading rusher at 37 yards. That's nuts. I mean, how do you do that? Hey, uh, the triple option, you know, I, I, I don't know about you. I want the return of the triple option. I want a team like Oklahoma or Alabama or Clemson just to go to the triple option. Right. Just, I uh, need to see definitely. that. Yeah. I I'm need to bored. see it. I, like, I, the, I thought Nebraska was the last team that really made it like successful. Like in what was it? 95 when they had um, Tommy Frazier. I think that was the last Tech was fairly successful with it. Like more. Yeah. I think it went a natty though. Or, like I'm talking about like a team. Oh, that, okay. I'm talking about like a team to win like the natty. With yeah, it, I okay. think it was Nebraska in '95. But yeah, Georgia Tech has some success with it. But we see what Georgia Tech is now. We'll get to them in just a second. <laughs> but we saw what happened with Georgia uh, Georgia Tech. But guys, Army moves on to take take on Louisiana Monroe next weekend. 
while Middle Tennessee State has two weeks to think about what they did, and then they go into a matchup against Troy down in Alabama. So uh, I'm imagining that game is probably not going to go any better for Middle Tennessee State if they play like this. But we're going to move on. Two of the biggest games of the weekend, and arguably I want to cover the game that was the best game by far this weekend. And you, you don't have to look any further than the gym that we had in San Marcos, Texas, um, Saturday afternoon. SMU at, at Texas State, SMU squeaked by with the 31-24 win. Brandon, you know, before we get to SMU, how impressed were you with Texas State? I really, really was. You know, we, we talked them down so much. Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to say we disrespected them, but we kind of did. Uh I mean, did you think that they were going to put up this kind of fight against SMU? No, I, I didn't. I, I don't think SMU is a bad team. What what I do think happened is that is that they came into this game thinking that they're playing Texas State, and they played like they were playing Texas State, and they barely scraped out a win. Yeah, and there were some questionable calls there that really that uh, that that fumble recovery or so called fumble recovery where Texas State recovers the fumble the next play SMU hits a deep poster out for a touchdown to really kind of put the game away take all the momentum away and you know Texas State for Jake Spavital who was office coordinator at A&M he has this Texas State team playing tough physical aggressive football and you know I texted Brandon I believe we were texting about the third quarter and I was like you know Texas State can re- I think they might win this game. Like they look like right. the better team right now. Yeah, and, you know, it, I was sad because the Clippers were losing. Zach was sad because the Celtics were done for, and we're just sitting yeah. here talking about Texas State about to win, uh, about to win a football game against SMU, the team that we thought was back for sure. Well, they were what top fifteen last year, the Memphis. Yeah. And I think at the re-rank, they're 26 in the country. They're like one spot out of the top 25. I don't imagine they're going to have that spot come. I I don't know if they're doing the re-rank this week or not. I don't know if they're going to wait for conferences or just do them now because, I mean, no one in the top 25 played technically. So, But we'll see about that. But Shane uh, Bouchelle, he looked rusty and overwhelmed, Brandon. I mean, when Texas State can throw blitz packages – at you and you can't handle them, what are you going to do against a team like Cincinnati that I think has probably the best defense in the AAC? Yeah, uh, I definitely see where you're coming from there, saying that he did look, he did, he did look rusty, but he still passed for almost 400 yards. He passed for 367 yards this weekend. And not yeah. it's not like he threw a million passes. I mean, he threw 36, but, I mean, he averaged 10 yards a, a pass. I, I mean, that's – that's pretty good. I mean, don't look at his touchdowns and interceptions because that's that's where you're going to start to lose people again because he had one yeah. touchdown and two interceptions on the game. And the interceptions came in the worst spot. That one down in the – it was fourth quarter, I believe, in the red zone, and they brought the middle linebacker straight up the middle, and he just, like, threw it right at the Texas State defender. It, like, right. hit, it hit the defender right in the chest. I was like – why don't you just take that sack or just fire it out the back of the end zone? You're at like the 20 yard line. I know you have the arm to throw that out. Just throw it away. Right. And and you know, it's bad when Zach and I both like we took, we took SMU in this game and we're very serious about our picks on this, on this show. But at one point Zach texted me is like, I know we chose them, but I I think I want Texas state to win. I was like, I think I do too. What's going on? I mean, this game was, (laughs) it, it was out of hand. It is, and you know, away from the passing game, as we expect that from SMU, I thought Calvin Hill and Brock Sturgis played an unbelievable game. The two running backs for SMU, or I mean, yeah, like the, 
I believe it was SMU. Um, they had a hundred yards rushing for seven point seven average, and Sturgis had ninety five yards rushing for a six point eight average. Right. No, I mean it that's, was very impressive, and, and that's outrageous. It was very impressive. And while we're talking about impressive from Texas State, let's let's talk about that catch from Jeremiah Hadel. I mean, good. How about that, man? I want that to be our new logo. I'm telling you that it was contact him. I saw it. Uh, I saw it in live time. (laughs) I was like, I was like, oh, he overthrew him. Oh man! Then I saw him come up the ball. Like, there's no chance he caught that. And you know what? He did. It was it was insane. That it it, that already could be the catch of the year. And it's, I I mean, I guess it's week one. We're calling it pick six for week one, but I mean, it's going to be so weird classifying these weeks. Cause like, can you call it week one when we didn't have a single power five team play, but we're about to have, it's like, it's like in a normal season where, uh, where teams play before most others and they call it week zero. So this has to be like, what? It's probably week negative three. Week negative three. I'll call it like (laughs) week zero is week zero was last week. This is week point five. We'll get week one next week. Um, I mean, but SMU survives, guys. They move on to face North Texas on the 19th. Um, their game with TCU this week postponed because TCU had a COVID outbreak. Texas State has to face in state rival University of Texas San Antonio next Saturday. So, I'm assuming they probably can get the win there. This team looks really, really good. And we got one more game to look bad. (laughs) Yeah, that's not a pick six, but they looked bad. Yeah, that's not a great team. But last game, guys, and we're going to move on here. But Arkansas State at Memphis. Memphis pulled away late, 37-24 win for the Tigers there. Brandon, thoughts on this game? Yet another scenario where I picked Memphis, and I was kind of rooting for Arkansas State because they, I mean, they looked – it, I mean, they were winning at the end of the first quarter. I was like, how oh, is this happening right now? This doesn't seem right. You know, obviously Memphis pulled away a little bit later. You know, the, the, they kind of dominated from the second quarter on. But, I mean, uh, but I mean, the first quarter, I thought Arkansas State was – like I thought maybe they had it in them. Yeah, I mean, but like like I said earlier with uh, UAB um, – UAB SMU. I mean, I think a lot of a trend where good teams are going to start out cold and struggle is going to be the case all across the country. And Memphis did come out very flat early. They found themselves down at the end of the first quarter, fourteen to seven. But toward the end, Brandon, I don't think there was any question who the better team was. I mean, Brady White spectacular down the stretch. Uh, all he seemed to find his rhythm around the second quarter. 275 yards passing, four touchdowns, even had almost 40 yards rushing. And we mentioned them on the audible, DeMonte Coxie, man. He showed up, and whoever the Sean Dykes kid is, wherever he came from, they were both too much for this Arkansas State secondary. And this duo is going to cause problems. Guys, Dykes, almost 140 yards receiving, two touchdowns. Coxie had 90, a touchdown. I think that, I guess, combination, Coxie, Dykes, and White – they are going to be a problem in the AAC in terms of you know offensive potential, and I thought those three guys were really the stars of the game. They were, and, and you know, they, obviously we've got Brady White passing to them, um, but I don't know. It's at some point, I mean, Brady White can do so much, and he looked great this weekend. You know, that's that's not a knock on him by any stretch, but like. I don't know. They, they did look. They did look incredible, and I think that they're very useful weapons for uh, potentially the best quarterback in the AAC this season. Yeah, and I, I would argue that Memphis looked better against an Arkansas State team, who I think is 
fundamentally a better team than Texas State. I thought they looked much better than SMU did oh, overall yeah. as an entire team. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, I mean and, the last game was the last game was by far the best game of the weekend. This one I yes. thought was going to be the same way, but no, I mean it obviously you know, Arkansas State's not gonna put up much of a fight against Memphis. No, and to right, we're getting ready to move on. I just want to mention one last player. Rodriguez Clark, I thought he did a great job replacing Kenneth Gainwell. That running back spot was empty. We didn't know who was going to take over that spot. I thought he did a, an excellent job of taking pressure off of Brady White and the staple of talented wide receivers. I mean, he had over 100 yards rushing a touchdown. If he continues this trend, I don't think Memphis – I mean, Memphis is going to miss Gainwell, but I think it's going to ease the pain of losing Gainwell for the, for this team because I thought Clark did an ex, did a absolute amazing job at replacing Gainwell, who I think arguably could have been one of the most explosive players in the country this year. Yeah, I agree. You know, he, he, he came in, he did his job, he got over five yards of carry. I mean, that's what, what more can you ask out of this guy? Yep. And so, guys – Memphis moves on to face Houston in two weeks in a in-conference game. Arkansas State comes up here and visits your boy up in Kansas State this weekend. Um, see if they can pull off the upset. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe not. If I can find some tickets, I might try to go to this game, but I don't even know how that's going to work with COVID. I don't know if my job's going to let me go into football games, but screw it. College football comes over making money. Ain't that right, Brandon? Um, (laughs) But we're going to move on here, guys. This is going to be the bulk of the episode. Power 5 football returns this weekend, and it's finally time to make predictions. Me and Brandon last year, we started this podcast a little bit late. We only got to make predictions for, I believe, the Big Ten and the SEC. Um, This year, we're doing it big. We're making official Blue Bloods predictions for all Power Five, Power Three conferences. Um, sadly, the other two aren't here yet. But Notre Dame joins this conference, and there's some teams that are looking to make that jump from good to elite contenders. Brandon and I group these teams together in tiers to make this go a little bit easier on you guys, so it's not just like a listing thing where you know we put you to sleep at work. We, we know you got to stay focused listening to us, but we're going to start with the bottom feeders tier. This is teams that are ranked between ranked between tenth and fifteenth in our predictions. So, Brandon, go ahead and kick this off. And who is your first team you got in this tier? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and start with the worst team in this conference this this season. That's going to be Syracuse. Uh, not very high hopes for Syracuse this season. You know, last year wasn't too hot for them, and I think their schedule is just working too hard against them. Yeah, I, I you know I don't have Syracuse as the worst team. But I do have Syracuse as my number 14 team. I have Georgia Tech as the worst team in the league this year. Okay. Um, so I'll just group these two together. I think all these teams in this tier are either rebuilding teams or teams that lost a lot of talent that I don't think can be replaced. They have glaring weaknesses across the board. But for Georgia Tech, Brandon, I have them going 0-10. I know that sounds absolutely outrageous. That offense is ranks outside the top 100 both their quarterback and wide receiver uh, positional units are outside the top 110. Um, their front seven on the defense ranked 117th. Do they have talent? Yeah, Jamar Gibbs comes in at running back. We've covered him on the recruiting update. He gets paired with Jordan Mason, who returns. But that O-line is abysmal. One of the worst – I think it's the worst in the, a- in the ACC. And when you face D-lines like Pitt, Clemson, Miami – it's going to be a serious problem. So I don't think Georgia Tech's going to do very, very well. So I've been going 0-10. You mentioned Syracuse. They're 
14th for me, one and nine for me. They're only they're only above Georgia Tech because I think their defensive potential is better than Georgia Tech, but their offense is garbage, man. Tommy DeVito, their quarterback, ranked 122nd last year in quarterback ranking according to Pro Football Focus. He yeah. he is not good under pressure. They they do have Andre Sisco at safety. They have Afantu Melifanyu at cornerback. How about that for pronunciation? Your boy's been working. Kingsley Jonathan at defensive end. Latree Kinsley at defensive end. Both will step into huge edge roles. I think the Syracuse team is really talented at certain places. They're a year or two away. And I think because of the all-conference schedule, those easy wins that kind of pad that record are gone. I think one and nine, maybe two and eight is really their ceiling. Right. And that's, you know, I have them ranked as my 14th team. So I think we just had that flip flopped. Um, like you said, I mean, there's, there's not like a lot of noticeable differences between these two teams They're They're both going to do pretty not great this year. So yeah, <laughs> I, I, you know, I was, I wasn't going to spend too much of my energy going into the bottom of the barrel. Um, but no. I'll go ahead and move, I'll go ahead and move into 13, um, for the season. I'm going to have to go with Boston college. And I know that I was I was really high on Phil Jerkovich for a little while there. I mean, you heard me say that he could be a breakout player, but I don't think he's going to have enough to actually do that. I've got to have some takes on the show, guys. Don't 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 cut my legs off here. But yeah, that's I don't see I don't have very high hopes for Boston College this season. Yeah, uh, I have them in the exact same spot, Brandon. Great minds think alike. I got them at two and eight, um, and you know. It's the, they're going to be held back by their defense. It's the opposite of the two teams we talked about just a second ago. Their de- each defensive unit is outside the top ninety. AJ Dillon is going at running back. You know David Bailey looks to replace him, but I, I, those are huge, huge shoes to fit uh, to fill there. And you said Phil uh, Phil Jer- Jerkovich at quarterback. He transferred from Notre Dame. He's taking over the QB one role. But I have questions, Brandon, because this defense is so bad. I don't trust him to put up 30, 40 points a game where they're, that's what they're going to have to score to win. That's how bad this defense is, in my opinion. And so they might be able to win a few games against some of these lower tier teams. I don't think they're as bad as Georgia Tech or Syracuse, but they're definitely not good enough to be any higher on my list. Right. No, I definitely understand that. Uh, you know, and I'll kick it off at 12 here. We'll, we'll kind of snake draft this thing. That way, Brandon doesn't always have to lead off. Always feel bad. Always put him on the spot here. But for my number 12 team, I have a team who was ravaged by injuries last year. I have NC State. I have them going three and seven. Um, they got question marks at all, everywhere, man. Their O line is the only positional unit that ranks in the top 60. Um, every other one is outside the top 90. Uh, Devin Leary at quarterback, he's going to have to show improvement. He has his accuracy last year was atrocious and his attack, his attack, I guess his ability to attack defenses at all levels of the field. Terrible. Brandon, this is the craziest set I ever read about this kid or just about a player in general. He ranked worse in a clean pocket than he did when under pressure. That's nuts. Okay. So this kid, if you give him too much time to think, will just beat himself. (laughs) So just don't rush the passer. Just drop everyone back and make this kid make decisions. And, you know, Porter Rooks at wide receiver, he's going to have to take that wide receiver one role. And, 
you know, he was a highly touted recruit. He was the highest ranked recruit for NC State. They have no targets for this kid either. So Brooks has to take that next step. And listen, if NC State of healthy should show it some improvements from last year, but I can't put an unproven team with this many question marks any higher than three and seven. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I actually don't have them next, but they're they're coming. Don't worry. Uh, next, I'm going to go with Duke. Um, they're Duke. They're, it's Duke football. I understand they've had a couple of good years in the past. Uh, I feel like they lost a lot this past season. and They, they, they definitely great, did. And they weren't great last season anyway. So, I don't know. I, I just don't have very high hopes for them. Uh, it, it was tough for me right here between NC State and Duke, but I ended up landing on the Blue Devils. Wow. Okay. Now, I don't have him here. I don't even have him in this tier, but really? that's crazy. Uh, they're not in this tier. Um, you know, at 11 now, I have Wake Forest. Uh, this is tough. Like right here, like these next few teams are tight. I have them also three and seven. I think they have the tiebreaker because they beat, um, the, the, <clears throat> they beat NC State, but I have them here because of the loss of Jamie Newman, man. Uh, I'm not high on Newman, but I like him a lot more than Sam Hartman. And Hartman ranked 128th in the country, Brandon, in big-time throw rate last season. Right. So he's Got not it. a huge playmaker. And Sage Surratt, we've talked about him on the podcast, a wide receiver, opted out. That's going to force Donovan Green to step up. He doesn't have a lot of experience. Hartman's inexperienced, and he doesn't have any weapons now. Uh, Carlos uh, Basham Jr., at defensive end, Deshaun Davis, a defensive end, is going to lead a powerful but underrated defensive line. It could cause some problems. Uh, they have some pretty good linebackers with experience. They're dynamic. This defense could be a bright spot, but if Hartman can't find any help, then Wake Forest is going to be in trouble. But if somebody steps up, Wake Forest could be sneaky and maybe sneak into the next tier. But for me right now, they have too many losses at key areas, and they're too inexperienced to be any higher than right here. Yeah, so Zach, Zach, I think we got lost in the snake, um, but but I kind of I kind of foreshadowed my uh, my next team. I had I had NC State, and I'll just go ahead and skip over that. Sorry to kind of mention that, but then yeah, my, I mean my 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 number. Uh, oh, shoot, we did get lost in the snake. I think it's my number eleven. No, it's my number. Is it my number ten team? What am it's I on? The number I, ten. There we it's go. Number ten. I, I really yeah, should have put numbers on this list. Okay, uh, I have Wake Forest here. So I mean, you, you said it. Um, Jamie Newman's gone. I couldn't echo that sentiment anymore that I'm not, I wasn't super high on him and I don't think that he's really proven himself enough to go to the NFL, but here we are. But, um, yeah, I mean, they, like you said, they, they lost a lot. Uh, I don't know. I feel like Wake Forest kind of always lands here though. Like, like toward the upper tier of the bottom of the barrel in the ACC. Yeah. So that completes Brandon's bottom feeders. I have one more team. I have Virginia. It's my last team in this bottom okay. feeders uh, category. They're right here, man. They, this team and the first team in my middle of the road tier, which is the next one, um, were right there. I have Virginia going three and seven, Brandon. That's a, that's tough. I know it sounds tough. They suffered the most losses in this conference. They lost a lot of starters from an ACC coastal division, a winning team. They're the champions. They have a new quarterback. Keontae Thompson out of Mississippi State. He's transferred. He's finally eligible. He has a lot of potential. But, Brandon, me and you watched a lot of Mississippi State football. He doesn't really pop off the screen for me. I don't think he does. He does a few things good, but he doesn't do anything elite. And right. that's, that's, for me, 
for you to be in the middle of the road, you got to have somebody who's elite. I don't see that. He does have Terrell Jana, Billy Kemp the fourth. They're huge production targets in which they can turn plays, normal plays into explosive plays. Noah Taylor and Charles Snowden might be two of the best defensive players in the ACC. It, their front seven ranks 10th in the country, Brandon. That's really, really strong. The secondary, lots of question marks. They're young. They need time to develop. So this front seven has to carry this entire team early. They're just missing too many key pieces. And I think they're going to be one of these teams that you see a large regression from. And I think they're right on the cusp of this middle tier. But for me, Virginia falls here because I think the teams in this middle of the road group have just a better overall team. Um, yeah. And, I'm sh- and, you know, that wraps up our bottom feeder one. But we have the middle of the road. This is the next tier. It's five through nine. Um. You know, these are some teams that could be contenders, but I feel like me and Brandon are kind of iffy on. They have they have some question marks in key places. So, Brandon, you're number nine team for the ACC in the 2020 season. I'm going to go with Virginia, and and I I feel like I feel like I'm just copying off of your list. Um, I promise you, I did my own. <laughs> I've got Virginia here. Um, you know, they did suffer a lot of key losses. Um, but I don't think that they're going to be scraping the absolute bottom of the barrel. I mean, I don't think that they're in the same classes as the Syracuses and the, and the Boston colleges at the conference. So Georgia tech, even, I, I mean, they're, they're kind of a step ahead of them and I still see them pulling off some, uh, not, not really big games. I still see them pulling off some games this season. So um, I've got a little bit of faith in them. So I've got them at number nine and yeah, I guess, I guess it's your turn. We really got lost in the snake. Yeah, hey, this is it's complex stuff here. Yeah. Complex stuff okay. here, but so you're my, gonna do the next two, and then I'll do yeah, two. okay, do that. Yeah, uh, so my number nine team is Duke. Brandon mentioned them earlier. I have Duke going four and six in the ACC this year. Uh, these records are so weird because they only play ten games, and some of these teams don't have flair, like their non-conference set up. So this is just conference records. Um, you know, this is gonna be such a huge question mark team for me. I have serious questions about their offensive potential, but their defense is right up there with the best of them, man. I think they're going to be able to steal some games, shock some people. Their rushing attack ranks 126 out of 130. That's really, really bad. Chase Bryce, though, at quarterback, comes in from Clemson. I don't know if he has enough to save this offense completely, but I think he has enough ability to keep them afloat. And Chris Rump, the second defensive end, Absolute game changer off the edge. He's ranked first, Brandon, in win rate and pressure rate for in, in the country last year for edge rushers. Um, Michael Carter the second, Josh Blackwell have to step up and lock down the back end of the defense. I think they can. Duke could have everything come together and be at the next tier, but for me, their question marks on offense keep them in the middle of the road pack, but they keep, they keep them above the bottom feeder uh, tier. And this is one of the controversial ones, Brandon, I was telling you about. At number eight, I have Florida State. Really? I have okay. Florida State at eight. They're going to be four and six. I know that sounds just like how in the hell is Florida State not going to have a winning record? Well, it's because they can't pick on teams like who do you want to put? Like Florida A&M. They can't schedule those bottom tier teams to get these easy wins. I don't think Florida State is going to be very good this year. I think – their offense is something I can't put any trust in at all. They've named James Blackman, the starting quarterback again, 
I am not sold on him in the slightest. He ranked 106 last year in pure passing grade by Pro Football Focus. And Brandon, he was 108th in turnover rate. That that is not good. And you say, you say, well, they have Mike Norval now. They got a just new offensive system. Mike Norval attacks deep middle of the field all the time. This guy cannot throw the ball there. He cannot throw to the out. Like if you look at his passing heat map. The sidelines, blue. Middle of the field, nothing. This kid cannot throw there, or I have not seen it at least. And, you know, there's no help for Blackman either. The rushing attack and O-line rank outside the top 100 for positional grade rankings right now. Cam Akers gone to the NFL. Um, Joshua Corbin steps in. Brandon, he averaged 0.2 broken tackles on all his carries so far. Yeah. No. He can't make anything happen. As soon as you touch him, that's it. That's where he goes. And in the ACC with these strong front sevens we're going to talk about, not a recipe for success. The reason that they might be a dark horse, they're in this middle of the road, they could finish higher. This defense, man, this defense is elite. I mean, NFL talent all over this defense. They rank fifth in the country in total defense, Brandon. Top five. That's, that's nuts, yeah. But their offense is that bad. And Asante Samuel Jr., cornerback, um, you know, DJ Matthews at safety, all these guys will be back to make one of the deadly um, ACC secondaries. Marvin Wilson Jr., he reminds me of this weird combination. I know this is stereotypical because he is a top projected top 10 NFL pick. He has like the boast of the best of both worlds of Derek Brown and uh, Javon Kinlaw. He looks yeah. just like him. He plays just like him. This kid's elite at defensive tackle. And, you know, this team's loaded on the defensive side of the ball. But I don't trust this offense to score over 25 points a game. And when you have offenses like Notre Dame, UNC, Clemson, I don't know if this team's going to have enough firepower on offense to even get to 20 points a game sometimes. And it's going to lose them a lot of close games. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to have to disagree with you there. But – um I'm going to go ahead and move on to my next pick. Uh, I've got Virginia Tech here. I, I, I Oh, yeah, my goodness. I, I do. Oh, my goodness. I do. Virginia Tech, I don't know. They. I, I actually had a really hard time. You're going you're gonna to even – you're going to give me an even harder time about this, but I had a hard time choosing between them and Virginia for that number nine spot. So, Oh, um, my goodness. I, I'm just not what very high. It's, it sounds like you wanted Virginia Tech to win the conference. I mean, you got to stop that. You, you're you're, you're kind of selling this a little bit too far. I'll, Virginia Tech almost made my final tier. Holy That's, crap. That is insane. They almost wow. made my final tier. That should not be allowed. You need – Let's get Zach, let's get a let's get a, a hashtag going or something. Let's cancel Zach. Listen, well, um, we are releasing these rankings on our Instagram, so you can like hear, you can see them all written out, and you can roast both of us. But man, this is this is tough for me. I don't know, Zach. I mean, a lot of people agree with me here. <laughs> you know, it's I. You know me. I don't have my own opinions. I I I get help from others, and I'm not copying anybody's list. I've already made that abundantly clear. But people, I mean, people aren't just aren't very high on Virginia Tech this year. Um, I don't really know what the redeeming quality for you was, but I, I just didn't see a lot in this team. Woo! Okay, man. Well, go ahead. Give me your seventh team. Let me guess. You got Clemson. Yeah, it's it's Clemson Professor. next. No, next I've got I've got Florida State. Um, Florida State, and I, you know what? You're you're gonna this this top this top uh, eight. I guess is gonna be very controversial for you. I, it sounds like you're having a hard time with wow. this. You might have an even harder time because I almost had a, like a, I'm pretty sure 
a team that you would find surprising uh, coming up next. But yeah, it, it, I'm State, going to quit the podcast. I will t- stop recording right now. If you, if the if the next team out of your mouth is who I think it is, I'm done. I, I quit it's the podcast. Not who you, it's not who you okay. think it is. I promise. Okay, okay, it's, okay. It's not that absurd. But yeah, uh, Florida State. Like you said, I, I mean, this defense is phenomenal. I mean, we can't – I don't think we can say that enough. Um, but James Blackman, I mean, we've we've hated on him on the podcast. We've hated on him off of the podcast. Um, and, and as soon as I saw that he was their starting quarterback this year, I don't know what people keep seeing in him. Like, they have more talent than just him, right? You know, he can't yeah, be – I would he, hope so. Yeah, he can't be the best quarterback that Florida State can recruit. But uh, here we are, so – uh, Florida State, you they, and the thing is they're rebuilding and they've been rebuilding for like five seasons now ever since Jameis left. So I don't know when they're going to be rebuilt. Uh, apparently we're building like a mansion here, like a castle and or a pyramid. We're building something big. Uh, hopefully for Florida State anyway. Whew. Okay, number seven. Um, uh, wow, um, your boy has pit here. Um, I have them going six and four. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna get crucified. Uh, that's all good. I got I got stats. I got stats and analytics all for all these picks. But this is another case, man. The defense is elite. I got you. The defensive line, amazing. But this offense is god awful. This offense could be in the bottom feeder category. I don't know. They they have some redeeming qualities, honestly. I mean, uh, listen. Quarterback is not the redeeming quality on this pit team, but but they have some they have some they, good they down receiver. Uh, name Paris one. Ford. Uh, I be- Paris Ford's a defensive player. So I mean, I don't care. He he can he can uh, do it all. I'm talking about I'm, I'm talking about straight offense. I mean, because Brandon Pitt's offense ranks a hundredth in the country. Uh, yes, you know, wide receivers, running back, and O line all rank outside the top 100. Quarterback, where you said that they they're really bad, that's actually t- inside the top 100. That's their redeeming Which is quality. Crazy. Is Kenny, Kenny Pickett. Pickett. Kenny Pickett is he should be nobody's redeeming quality. Listen, he showed improvement. I got you. He doesn't he doesn't lead any explosive offense. Brandon, I talked about James Blackman. Kenny Pickett ranked 101st in the country in big time right. throw rate. You you got me all wrong here. I'm all I'm on the same page with you on Kenny Pickett, not a not okay, a cool. Kenny Pickett guy. So yeah, I mean he, he his the best grade he has. He's really really good at making the correct play under pressure. But is he good at anything else? And at skill positions, yeah, Jordan Addison is going to be a key factor for Pickett. But outside of Jordan Addison, I don't see a single player that gets me any any bit excited about this Pitt offense. Not a single thing. This Pitt offense is going to be. Really, really, really bad. And, you know, the defense, I'll get to some bright spots. You're like, okay, well, why aren't they in the bottom feeder if you're this low in their offense? This defense, just like Florida State, man, NFL potential all across the board. You got Cam Bright, Patrick Jones II, devastating pass rushers, and Bright's a linebacker. He's even more elite in coverage. Jalen, um, top, I think it's Ty Man, if I'm not mistaken, or Twa Man. Um, is another elite interior defensive lineman. He's going to demand double teams. You can't stop both him and Jones. I think Pitt's defense could be the best that that school's ever seen. That could be the best defense they've had in school history. But until I see some offensive potential, their ceiling is right here at 6-4, and four, right in the middle of the road. And you want to know why? That offense should be in the bottom feeders category. That defense is in the contender tier, so they're right in the middle. Pitt's going to be 6-4. and four. They I have them above... 
you know, Florida State and some of these good teams, but I don't think they can contend for the ACC until they find some offense somewhere. Someone please pray for this offensive line because it's garbage. But I'm going to move on here. Number six, we're getting to these higher-tier teams. I have Miami here. Oh, you're not going to find me then. You will not. Hey, I thought, look. Yeah. We're, no, we're, listen, we're on the same page, brother. Most of my rankings cha- stayed the same. I did a collab um, on Instagram where we picked teams with Central College Football. Go follow their account. Um, I had Miami in the next tier, but as soon as Gregory Rousseau opted out, I, I can't have them there anymore. That That's that's that big of a loss at defensive end. But De'Aaron King, Quincy Roche will still make this team pretty good, and they could compete. Brandon King was the second highest-rated quarterback by Pro Football Focus in passing grade in 2018. Um, right. Plus, Miami brings in new offensive coordinator, Rhett Lashley. He was the offensive coordinator when Auburn made the run um, to the SEC championship under Jared Stidham. He was at SMU. Pass-heavy, fits King's style perfectly. He has Brevin Jordan at tight end. Huge target there. The O-line is questionable. We saw it last year. But Jalen Rivers and Isaiah Walker Jr., two four-star, highly, highly touted recruits, come in and could offer immediate help and depth at a position that Miami did not have last year. The defense is going to hinge on Quincy Roche. Uh, Gervin Hall at safety, an incoming top 50 recruit, Avante Williams. We covered him on the podcast before. Another safety. All these players are either immediate upgrades in terms of Avante Williams or Quincy Roche and or players like Hall that have experience to make a serious impact. They know the system. They're going to be tough for any offense to score on. Miami with Rousseau is an ACC title contender, a dark horse playoff threat. But now they'll just be a really good team, middle of the road. And you know what? As tough as we've been on Manny Diaz, it looks like he's finally building a culture and a team that can back up all these Miami fans. And Miami next year and for the next two, three years could be a serious, serious threat in this conference. But for right now, have to tailor the expectations and put them at sixth. Yeah, and I also have them at six. So I, I thought you were going to have a fit when I put no, them at six. No. So if, if you had them at six with Rousseau, we would have a problem, but not not with you know Rousseau out because Rousseau is a generational talent at defensive end. Right, and, and you know with what we saw out of Miami this past season, I get it. They you know they they have the Eric King. There's a, to me, there's a lot of question marks there. You know, we didn't see him play most of the last season. Um, we didn't see him play in the spring because there was no spring football. There's really been not a lot leading up to now. I mean, you can't tell me this, he's not going to be a, at least a little rusty here and more rusty than others. You know, he just hasn't had that same uh, that same type of preparation. Uh, I mean, I understand it's been very minimal for everyone, but it's been very, very minimal for Derek King. So, I mean, to me, we don't know exactly what we're getting out of Miami, and that's why they're at number six. Um, and I'll go ahead and move to five, which if and I've got Pitt here, um, and and the reason I, le- I I left off with that for Miami is because at least we know what we're getting with Pitt. We're getting a really really good defense. Um, we didn't see nearly as many opt outs from this Pitt defense as we did from Miami, and I think that's kind of what pushes them over the edge here for me. I, I understand the offense isn't quite there, um, but. Like I said, there's a lot of question marks for Miami, too. And there's a lot of even more question marks for Florida State, for, for all the other teams behind uh, behind Pitt so far, anyway. So I've got them at number five on my list. 
Uh, I, I don't know, man. That uh, you do you trust that offense to be a top five? I, um, I trust that defense. I, I really do. I mean, if people oh, can't score, then they can't beat you. Yeah, no, absolutely. But okay, do you think that defense is good enough to stop? It, like, okay, so I know we're ranking like teams and how they finish. Who who are the top three offenses in the ACC? You think going right now in the ACC? Yeah, you're gonna ruin things if you do this. Okay, well, never mind. We'll get there in a second. But my number five team, this is probably my most controversial. Okay, second most controversial because Brandon knows what's about to come next. But I know. Um, um, Virginia Tech's my fifth-ranked team. Not- I have I have them going seven and three. Um, I think they're the, the most balanced teams in the conference, Brandon. I mean, every single positional unit outside of defensive line is a top-40-ranked positional unit. Okay. And they have two true freshmen coming in and Alec Bryant and Robert Wooten who were down in Texas. They somehow wound up at Virginia Tech together. Bryant racked up over 20 sacks his final two years in high school and Wooten had 17 sacks of his own in his final two years. They're going to step in immediately and offer depth at a position that Virginia Tech really struggled in last year. Yes, Kayla Farley opted out. That's huge. But Jermaine Waller comes back at C- at DB. He allowed a sub forty percent catch rate last season. And listen, I the reason I'm higher than most on Virginia Tech, I think Hendon Hooker is a better quarterback than Kenny Pickett. A better quarterback right now, because like you said, there's a lot of unknowns with Derek King. I think he could be better than King, and he's definitely better than James Blackman, which is why they jumped those three teams for me, Brandon. Um he graded out as a top six quarterback in the ACC, according to Pro Football Focus. Tavion Robinson comes back at wide receiver. He was a true freshman last year. He's going to step into a bigger role. He has a whole season of experience. And, Brandon, this is the X factor. Raheem Blackshear comes in. Finally, he transfers away from Rutgers, and he's going to be prob- arguably the best player on this Virginia Tech team. As you know, when you're stuck in the depth of Rutgers – then, you know, I would also want out. He only played in four games last year before deciding to transfer in red shirt because who would want to be at Rutgers? Over 1,700 yards receiving and rushing, 12 touchdowns in his two and like .3 years at Rutgers on a team that had no quarterback. Blackshear is going to be in the running for ACC Newcomer of the Year. This team has so much potential. It's not tested and... I would like to see more improvement in big games. They should have won that Virginia game to get to the ACC championship last year. They were the better team. They just didn't know how to finish. If things go right for the Hokies, I think they really and truly could be in this next uh, tier called the contenders. That's how high um, I think Blackshear and Hooker and all these guys are going to be better than like people would imagine. Okay. Uh, I mean, I obviously disagree, but okay. <laughs> Listen, guys, one last tier here. The contender tier. This is the top four teams in the ACC. I always made Brandon start. I feel bad about that. My number four team. I think Brandon. I think we. I we definitely have the same four at least. Um, mm. I have. I have Louisville at four. Here, um, Louisville. I have them going eight and two. Brandon. I know that's an outrageous number to hear. I think they're they're my sleeper dark horse pick in the ACC, and it starts with that offense. I mean, Brandon, we've talked about this offense before. Mikael Cunningham, JV and Hawkins at running back, Tutu Atwell at wide receiver. Brandon, this offense has a top 12 ranking for returning production at quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. Top 12 in the entire country. And 
like I already said, I, we've talked about Cunningham on this podcast. He's one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the country, and I think he could be the ACC player of the year if everything goes right. Uh, Hawkins, we have already covered. I won't cover him again. Just go back like two episodes ago. Atwell, over 1,200 yards receiving last year. Brandon, I don't know. I don't remember if I said this on the podcast. He actually was pro football focuses top ranked wide receiver last year over Jamar Chase. Uh, uh, yeah, we mentioned it. I know we mentioned it. Yeah, that's that shows his potential. Rod J. Burns back at linebacker. Anthony Johnson at DB. Both will lead this young. But they have a few question marks on defense. I think Louisville has untapped potential. I'm more confident in this team's potential than any of the teams we mentioned. I think their hyper-athletic talent on offensive side of the ball is going to be super important in this conference. And I think things are going to click for Louisville, and they're going to finish fourth at 8-2 and two in the ACC. You're, you're not going to like where I'm going here, Zach. I'm, I'm, I'm already, already, I'm already about to hit the quit recording and I'm just going to dip. You don't have to release this episode. I've got North Carolina. <laughs> I'll say it. I've got this North is, Carolina is, number four. This is such blasphemy, bro. Like this is absolutely outrageous. Like I am calling everything you've said into question. If you have, if you seriously, seriously have Louisville over UNC. I do. I really do. I'm sorry. I do. There's no, there's, there's, oh man, I'm about to get us taken off the airwaves. There is no <laughs> effing way that that is the case. I, 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 hang on. You know, my bad. I'm being rude. I need to hear your argument because I am dying to hear because I'm assuming Louisville's probably three because Louisville there's no way you, probably, okay, there's no way you have them over Notre Dame. No. <laughs> I need to hear why you put, I need to hear this. So go ahead because you're going twice. So I need to hear how this is even possible. Okay, so I'll go ahead and group these two in there. I'll go ahead and say Louisville at four, and uh, I'll have UNC at three. I, I'm I'm sorry, other way around. UNC at four, Louisville at three, um, and I'll just say I'll just do like a, I'll I'll do my argument for Louisville because it it wasn't as much against UNC as it was for Louisville. Um, I, I mean I'm just going to echo your sentiments here. I mean JV and Hawkins to me, I understand that that Tutu Atwell had an incredible season last year. But I mean, the real exclamation point for this offense to me was uh, was JV and Hawkins. Um, you know, he started all 13 games this past season, 264 rushes for 1,525 yards. I mean, he averaged six yards a carry this past season. Uh, I mean, he he only had nine rushing touchdowns, but he had four receiving touchdowns on top of that. I mean, he he just tacks on points, and, and that was his freshman season. I mean, that was his redshirt freshman season. You know, we don't know what kind of talent this guy can pull out his sophomore year, his, even his junior year. I mean, th- he's he's a very talented running back. Um, and not only that, but Mikhail Cunningham. Uh, I mean, this kid's absolutely uh, – I don't want to say elite, but he has elite potential. I mean, Zach, you already touched on it a lot. I mean, we, we talked about how he did this past season. He passed for over 2,000 yards last season, uh, and that's in 178 attempts. He had 22 touchdowns and get us only five interceptions all season. So, I mean, and he can do it all. I mean, he can do it with his legs, too. Uh, not only was he was he passing the ball that much, he had almost 500 yards rushing this past season, Zach. He had six rushing touchdowns alone. So, I mean, this kid's uh, – I mean, you just have that duel in the backfield. And I think, in my honest opinion, that's going to bring them over the top of just of just one sophomore quarterback in Sam Howell for UNC this next season. I think their offense is going to be, I mean, miles better than UNC's. Oh, man. Uh, you know, uh, 
I I can't even uh, I cannot even and not even that, not even only that I mean their offensive line's incredible too I understand they lost Makai Becton but I mean they have they have Renato Brown I mean filling in that spot right there uh, Tyler Haycraft I, I mean they 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 have the offensive line down as well so I mean who's going to be able to get to this duo it I'll I just I'm still shook um yeah I see, mean. I, you're not very high, I can see. I mean, that, that moment of pot, I mean, you had to take it all in, huh? Uh, you know, I, I don't I, I don't see how, like, you think – okay, let's just go through this. Do you think Mikael Cunningham is better than Sam Howell? No, I don't. But I think that I think that all of these players combined – I think that the duo of Mikael Cunningham and Javion Hawkins is better than Sam Howell and UNC's running back. Uh, okay, UNC. Uh, I don't want to like spoil my argument, but UNC ranks fifth in the country in total offense. Brandon. Uh, okay, uh, I mean that that was last season, and that's. I mean, and even if it wasn't, it was a prediction for this season. I I don't know. I I see a ton of untapped talent, and I know that's what you see in Sam Howell. I mean, you see a lot of stuff that he's proven, and you see what probably a lot more untapped talent. You I mean you see a lot of potential in him. Uh, so you're telling I, me that you don't see potential in you don't see potential in a in a redshirt freshman running back and a sophomore quarterback from last season. I mean, we're going on to sophomore junior year for these two. I, I feel like they have a lot a lot to bring to the table. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I see a lot of I don't. It's not untapped potential with Sam Towell. He was arguably a top three quarterback last year, playing for North Carolina, Zach. It doesn't matter. It does. They all. As How a long did he last year, his, Zach, if, Since Zach Howell, since Sam Howell, Zach Howell, and you wish that was your name, don't you? Um, <laughs> no, since Sam Howell was so good last year, how, how did UNC finish? They finished, I think it's eight and five. Not it was either eight right. and five or nine and four. One of the two. And that landed them a playoff spot, or, or where were they? No, I mean, okay, so he didn't have any help, but he still he he still was second in the ACC. Uh, what? No, he was what fourth. In the entire country in passing yards? It doesn't matter if if you don't do anything with that. If you end up eight and five, then what does it matter? But he did it doesn't like, oh my gosh. Like I I don't understand. Like you're saying the same thing like Joe Burrow in 2018 didn't have as much help as he had the next year. And then once he got some help, they won the national championship. I don't understand. So go, so go, so go ahead and tell us about that help then, Zach. Go ahead and tell us why you have okay. you, well, you well, even have UNC here, because I'll fight you. No, you I don't. Number three, I have Notre Dame. Oh, stop. Stop that right now. I quit. Uh, look, go ahead. I'll be back. I'll be back. I'll be back. You go ahead. Notre Dame is going to be eight and two, finish third. And you know they might not be known for defense, but they're going to have one of the best defenses in the country. They're going to have an experienced quarterback. Brandon, their defense ranks tenth in the country. Their front seven ranks eleventh. Secondary top twenty-five. Tariq Bracy, Kyle Hamilton. We've talked about him on the podcast. Is are going to be the two key pieces to the secondary. Uh, Darlin Hayes comes back at defensive end. He's going to take on a huge role, um, you know, left by a, a few people who left for the, for the NFL. Ian Book is going to be the key, Brandon. He's going to bring a wealth of experience, and he's going to have plenty of help. Can the Fighting Irish stay healthy? They have the number one ranked offensive line in the country, Brandon. Going into the season, they have um, Liam Eichenberg, Tommy Kramer, Robert Hainsey, all return as nationally ranked offensive linemen. Brandon, between these three players and all the snaps they played last year, two of them got hurt. They allowed zero sacks between the three of them. Yeah, 
Uh, That's I, crazy. I, I just got back, by the way. I, I actually left. I was upset with Zach. <laughs> but the, he has uh, Braden Lin, uh, Lindsay at wide receiver, Jordan Johnson at wide receiver. They're going to be explosive targets for Book, which is going to make this team dangerous. I think they have the pieces to compete, but injuries have held this team back in certain spots, especially in recent seasons. But a healthy Notre Dame team is a playoff contender. But can they stay healthy? And Brandon, really and truly, do you trust Ian Book in the biggest spots? That's the that is going to be the biggest question mark for Notre Dame it, it, this entire season. I mean, Brandon, we've seen Ian Book play his best when it's, there's no stakes, but we've seen Ian Book collapse in the biggest moments. Yeah, that's, so that's true. Do you trust him? And that's that's what this comes down to. And listen, it's it's good, might sound crazy, but Sam Howell had one big moment as a true freshman was one play from beating Clemson last year. There's only one person in the country of uh, one quarterback in the country. That I could say that last year. And that was Joe Burrow. Yeah. Yeah. He was, and, he was pretty good. Yeah. He was pretty good. And guess what? That was in Sam Howell's fourth ever game. Okay. Uh, I mean, pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. But th- there were a lot of things going on that game. Uh, it wasn't just Sam it. Howell's incredible performance because that's, that's why they, that's why the game was what was it, like twenty eight to twenty one. Uh, no, it was a one. It was twenty one to twenty. Oh, it was one point. That's right. They went for two. It was That's one point. Right. Yeah, it went for two at the end. Where Sam Howell led the game winning drive. He led the game winning drive. Brandon, they lost. What do you mean game winning? They, they, oh he led the okay. game winning drive. Okay, or or yeah, like they put him in that position. But like for a true freshman, four games in, that's outstanding. You, I don't know how you could take anything away from him. I don't. Oh, I don't understand. But listen, number two, I already know who you have, but I'll go ahead since we're doing the stupid snake thing, which was my idea in the first place. But um, I have North Carolina. Uh, and Brandon, you good. Everyone can roast me, whatever. I went through each game. North Carolina and Clemson are going to the ACC championship, both undefeated. Wrong. North Carolina's going to go undefeated. Th- Brandon, look at their schedule. The only game that I can possibly see them losing is to Notre Dame, and they get Notre Dame at home. Okay. They avoid Clemson. Miami's not going to be the same without. You know, Gregory Rousseau, I mean, yeah, there's some good defenses, but do you trust Kenny Pickett to beat UNC? I don't. Yeah, it's, I mean, not not Kenny Pickett specifically, no. <laughs> but, Brandon, I'll break this down for you. I, the Tar Heels rank fifth in the entire country in offensive production returning. They rank 44th defensive-wise. But we've talked about this on the podcast. Storm Duck is back. DB, true freshman, started last year, ranked third oh, in the ACC. Yes, Great amazing name. name. Three-star freshman, true freshman, got to start last year. He's back. He ranked third in ter- in uh, by Pro Football Focus in terms of ACC uh, defensive backs. Third, he's back every year. And Brandon, this is the key. Tony Grimes reclassifies. He was a five-star for twenty twenty-one. We've already broke him down on our podcast where he you know he got clocked going twenty miles per hour in less than four seconds. Crazy. Yeah, 6-1-185, true freshman. He's coming to uh, sure up that back end of the defense. That was the biggest problem for UNC last year. They bring in Desmond Evans at DN. That's going to be an immediate elite pass rusher for them. And the offense, Brandon, I, I know I'm going to get roasted for this, but I've, I've said it on Couch Coach Live yesterday. I'm not saying they're going to be the exact replica, but they're going to make a jump 
like the 2018 LSU or 2019 LSU offense did from 2018. They're going to make that type of leap, elite leap. They're not going to might not put up the same numbers, but they're going to be that much better. Sam Howell is back, Brandon. He put up the second most valuable season for a true freshman quarterback since 2014. Last year. Brandon, second in the conference in passing yards behind Trevor Lawrence, first in the conference and fourth in the entire country in passing touchdowns, second in the conference behind Trevor Lawrence and 10th in the entire country in passing efficiency. Listen, everyone says I'm too high on this kid, but I don't understand how anybody who watches college football doesn't watch UNC last year and say, this kid's got the it factor. I, I don't I don't understand. I mean, you put Joe Burrow on that UNC team last year. Yeah, he's going to play really, really well, put up big stats, but he doesn't win the national championship. Exactly. Come on, man. Just just ask him out already. You know, we can do it on the show <laughs> if you want. Listen, Daz Newsom's back, wide receiver, number one target. He ranked first in the entire country in twenty or more twenty plus yard catches from the slot last season, over a thousand yards. He was top ten in catches, yards, receiving touchdowns in the conference. Four four speed. Then you talk about running backs. You want to talk about uh, Hawkins at Louisville? That's great. The top two leading rushers for UNC are back. Javante Williams, who we talked about being one of the players to watch in the ACC this year, and Michael Carter comes back to take off the pressure. On defense, Chaz Surratt, first-team all-ACC selection at linebacker last year. He's back. Don Chapman, true freshman who really graded out as one of the best safeties in the country late last season. He's back. This North Carolina team is the only team in the ACC outside of maybe Notre Dame that can compete with Clemson, I don't see anyone else really being able to do it. And I think North Carolina's offense is the only offense in the ACC that can match the firepower that Clemson has. Okay. I mean, you know, you, you said what you said. I'm just glad you didn't have them winning the ACC. So uh, no. here we are. Well, yeah. I, 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 I haven't said that yet. We still got to make our like official predictions. I mean, th- this is just ranking like what they're going to finish. We still got to make our final like official <sighs> prediction. Is, I, ne- I never said that. This is gonna, this is gonna hurt, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna lose my mind. Okay, so, uh, uh, okay. Well, obviously, I have Notre Dame here at number two. Um, you know, the main thing being Ian Book is back. I mean, coming off of, you know, we see what he can do. Coming off of a, a great season this past year, and you know, coming back and having an even more, or I guess an even, uh, what would I, even more veteran offensive line. You know, uh, I would I would even venture to say probably the best in the country. Uh, Zach already said that, and I would go ahead and say they probably have the best offensive lineman in the country, potential or offensive tackle in the country, and, and Liam Eichenberg. Um, I mean, this kid is for sure going to be. I I would probably say uh, what I mean first round draft pick. Zach, you think? I mean, he he's incredible, and he's going to be an NFL player for years to come. Um, and I don't know. I, I mean, I think as long as you can protect Ian Book in that pocket, I mean, I know he can move outside of that pocket and he can he can use his legs as well as any other quarterback. But I mean, you keep you keep pressure off of him, and just I mean, he's he might just do incredible things this upcoming season. And so I'm really high on Notre Dame. Obviously, going to the ACC, I, we we roast the ACC all the time. They're not quite the Pac-12, but you know, I mean, we all know we, everyone's talking about it. So. Uh, I mean, going to the ACC, I'm not going to say it's going to be a cakewalk by, cakewalk by any means for Notre Dame. 
I think they've they've got you know a lot of a lot of challenges uh, this season, but I think that they end up in in the conference championship game. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not going to argue. I mean, Notre Dame could do it. I just I don't know if I trust Ian Book fully. Brandon, let's go ahead and say this: Clemson's going to finish the top ranked team in the regular season. I got them. I got them ten and zero. I'm assuming. Well, I guess also eleven zero since they played the Citadel. Uh, you know, do you think the Citadel can pull that one off? Uh, maybe. <laughs> Brandon, do you want to hear this crazy, crazy crap? I mean, Brandon, Clemson ranks top ten. In every single positional unit except D line, where they rank top twenty five. Yeah, which is nuts. But and it's Clemson, so it's to be expected. But it's still it's still crazy. And you know, I, I think Brandon, we can say one player's name, and everyone's like, "Okay, yeah, I got you. You picked them." And that's Trevor Lawrence. I mean, absolutely. Is, is there anything more we can say about this kid? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I obviously think. I mean, I think I'm speaking for a lot of people here when I say that his upcoming this upcoming season for him is going to be probably much better than this past season uh especially crazy it is crazy he threw for what is this his second straight year of throwing he threw for 3600 yards and 36 touchdowns and that's what some people say was falling off i know people were a sophomore slump okay i think we said that in like the first three games well the first three games he didn't play great but down the stretch, I think he rated what was it uh, second to Joe Burrow in just terms of like overall passing grade in the final uh, what was it nine ten weeks of the season. Right. I mean, so Brad, this is a question I wanted to save here. I kind of talked about it yesterday um, with Couch Coach, but would you rank Lawrence as the greatest college football quarterback, like of all time, or, or just yes, this of all time? Oh, that's so tough. Um, like, what does he have to do for you this year? Or listen. We know my theory, Brandon, we know you don't agree. Or if he comes back for a senior year, what does he have to do over these next one to two years to do that? Uh, that's so tough, man. Um, win another national championship for sure. I, I think that's something that we're all looking forward to. Not only that, but maybe pass for over 3,500 yards again. I'd like to see a 4,000-yard season. And then to me, I mean, it's kind of cemented, right? I also would like to see this kid win a Heisman because how, how, how do you not win a Heisman if you're Trevor Lawrence? I, okay, so I said yesterday on the podcast, um, I said that they're going to give it to him just for like a lifetime achievement award. We saw Grant Delpit this year get the Thorpe Award for no apparent reason. I mean, he wasn't even the best DB on his own team. Right. And it was just a lifetime achievement award, and I think that's what they're going to do for Trevor Lawrence. I mean, like, would we look at Tim Tebow the same if he didn't win a Heisman? Um, we would look at him differently even if he didn't win the Heisman when he won it. You know, he was the first sophomore to ever win it. Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, Lawrence is right there, man. I mean, I was breaking this – I was looking at this yesterday. I mean, Brandon, he's 29-1 and one in his college career. That's true, yeah. And that's after only losing one game in high school, which was a divisional playoff game his sophomore year. Right. It, he, he took his high school on a 43-game win streak, and – you know, you could say he shrank at LSU. You could say that Clemson's loaded, but this is—I mean—if he wins the national championship this year, Brandon, he was—he will officially be forty-three and one in his college football career, with two natties and three natty appearances, and you know whatever awards he might win. But even without the Heisman, forty-three and one at the highest level in the playoff era—I don't think we would ever, ever see that again. That is. 
I mean, come on, man. Like, like Trevor Lawrence himself obliterated the ACC's perception Yeah, as a conference. I mean, how many good teams have been in the ACC? Was Virginia trash last year? They they competed with Florida in the Orange Bowl. We were in Virginia, like going into the ACC championship, the spread was like thirty. Yeah, that's true. Like, come on, but guys, with Clemson, I mean, Brandon, you're probably second. This Travis Etienne is coming back. Two straight years for rushing over sixteen hundred yards. They have um, Joe Nada at wide receiver, Amari Rogers at wide receiver uh, on defense. Mike Jones Jr. steps in for Isaiah Simmons. Nolan Turner's back at safety. I, Xavier Thomas at defensive end. They have. Three five stars: Brian Barisi at defensive tackle, Miles Murphy defensive end, and Trenton Simpson at linebacker. I mean, what what more, Brandon? I want to ask. Like, I, I was looking researching for the segment. Did you know Trenton Simpson played linebacker and running back last year? And he played middle linebacker. He had twenty sacks last year and averaged eight yards per carry as a running back. That's nuts. Get out of here, but guys. <laughs> So for my championship picks, I have UNC against Clemson. Brandon has Clemson versus Notre Dame. Brandon, right here, right now, who is your pick to win the ACC? Clemson. It's not even close. How bad do you think they beat Notre Dame again? Because they have to play in the season as well. How yeah. bad do they beat Notre Dame? Oh, in specifically in the championship game, yeah. I could see it being. Let's, let's go with. Mm, 42 28. Oh, okay. I like that. Um, yeah, I have Clemson um, over UNC. They don't play in the season, so this would be their first matchup of the year. Um, you know, I think, uh, honestly, I would probably have Clemson 38 to like 27, something like that. Um, yeah. If I had to guess right now. But yeah, Clemson was the ACC by far and away. And, you know, just a spoiler. If you know, I said this yesterday. I don't know how you feel about it. If Davo Sweeney doesn't win a national championship this year, that's a huge indictment on him. Yeah. Well, how so? Because you have arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. You have arguably a what I would say Travis Etienne could be the second best running back behind Chuba Hubbard right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you have. A five, you have so much talent on the slot. Xavier Thomas, Brian Barisi, Miles um, Murphy. Uh, you have Nolan Turner on the back end of the secondary. Amari Rogers. You have uh, Joseph Ningata. Your offensive line is the top eight offensive line in the country, and you can't win the national championship. Well, you didn't like, even mention that Travis Etienne is probably like what top five wide receiver. In, yes, in, exactly. in that's what I was saying. Like you're telling me that you can't you can't win the national championship. Like how? How do I trust you to win with anything else? Like, right. there's no way that th- there's not even a team really and true. Like, we'll break down some good teams. Is there really even a team that you look at right now, Brandon, that could even match up well with Clemson on paper? Uh, not really. I, I mean, well, obviously we'll get we'll get to more predictions down the road, but no, not really. I'm. Okay, is it, I like I like this. You're okay. You're not a betting guy because you don't bet on games, but yeah, who you, bets? We like, we, yeah, we like analyzing the spread here. Is is there a team in the country that you would give Clemson anything less than a ten point spread? Ooh, that I would give them less than a ten point spread, or that I think that bookmakers will give that, them less that than you. Points. If you were setting the if you were setting the spread. Oh, that's so tough. I, no, probably not. 
Uh, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't trust that. If I if I'm the bookmaker, if I'm paying out whenever Clemson whoops whoever, I'm not giving them anything less than than ten. Oh, okay. I feel that. I feel that. But listen, guys, we have rambled about this forever. This episode has been outrageous. But we're just you know we're gonna end this here. We're not even gonna make this like a for real segment. We have a huge game tonight. BYU Navy. Brandon, you're picking wild right here right now, and we'll just end that. We'll just end this episode with this. That's tough. I mean, I think it's going to be a good game, honestly. Um, you know, I already said it about Army, but I guess I'll say it about Navy. They don't have Malcolm Perry this season. So, uh, oh, man, I think I'm still going to go with Navy. I don't think BYU is very good. Um, I think it'll be a pretty close game, like like maybe within a touchdown, but I'm going to have to go with Navy in this one. Mm. Triple option. It's deadly. That's true. That's true. Um, you know, the spread is the spread is even, Brandon. Yeah. Um, which is insane spread. I'm gonna go the opposite way here. I'm I'm gonna go BYU here. I think Zach Wilson is back. He's healthy. I think he's gonna tear apart this Navy back in the back end of this Navy defense. You know, I I love, you know. I love these service schools. I love the offenses that they run. They're so fun to watch. But I think Malcolm Perry is such a big loss. And for a new starting quarterback to have to face a BYU team that we saw beat USC last year. I mean, this team wasn't scrubs. And Zach Wilson got hurt. They had a a lot of things go wrong. I have BYU here. I have BYU by three points over Navy tonight on ESPN at 7 o'clock Central, I believe. So make sure to tune in for that. But, guys... We're going to end it here. We gave you, what is it, an hour, almost an hour and a half of college football content here for your Monday. So hopefully you get through this entire episode, but our ACC predictions are done. More episodes coming later this week. We got predictions to make about the other two big Power 5 conferences. I know a lot of you guys are SEC fans. Y'all are looking forward to that. Hang tight. We'll get there. But I hope you guys enjoy college football as much as we did this weekend. Instagram at the underscore Blue Bloods, Facebook at the Blue Bloods Pod, Twitter at the underscore underscore Blue Bloods, the website, the bluebloodspod.com. You can find all our stuff there. Find us on YouTube. You can catch the Audible that we streamed last week, the live stream of it. We appreciate all the support, guys. I can't believe that we've been doing this for over a year. This is the first episode of season two. So you guys made it with us. We can't believe we're at season two, but keep subscribing, keep tuning in. We'll keep dropping episodes. That's how that goes. But for right now, we out. <laughs>